This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Well, it's Friday, so we're going to look ahead to next week because there's a lot going on in Parliament. One of the things that will be happening on Wednesday is that Parliament will be voting on parts of the Windsor framework. Katie, could you just take us through what parts they'll be voting on and what would be a win for the government? Yeah, so it's worth remembering Rishi Sunak does not technically need to hold a vote on the Windsor framework, on the agreement on the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, were he to decide he doesn't need to, there's always a chance that MPs could get very het up and say we're going to force a vote. But it does mean that it has been very much in the power of number 10 to decide when to have this vote and the form to have the vote in. So this is going to be quite a simple vote on the Stormont lock, not on the other aspects, and that will be taken as the final and the the ultimate vote on the entire Windsor framework. I think they purposely made it a vote which you cannot amend. So you don't suddenly have uh, you know groups of MPs trying to tinker around, change change parts of a deal that ultimately requires a side that is uh, not within Parliament in terms of negotiation. And I think also by making it about the Stormont lock, that is the part of the deal that surprised MPs, I think, on the upside the most. So the idea that there is, you know, an effective unionist uh, veto on new rules um, when they come in, if you had two different parties um, voting in Stormont. Now, when it comes to new EU rules that Northern Ireland would have to follow. Now, the caveats to the Stormont lock and is that Stormont has to be up and running for uh, you know uh, these parties to be able to activate it, and that is yet to happen. And also, there's a question about how much you would really use the Stormont lock because uh, the EU see it as an emergency break for the rarest of occasions. Whereas if you are a unionist who's very worried about this idea of Northern Ireland being different from the rest of the UK in terms of these rules, you might want to use it fairly regularly. And the Westminster government has to back you too. So, so for example, some of the DEP members who are more sceptical of the Windsor framework, so Sammy Wilson, Ian Paisley Jr., have said, well, the fact that Westminster has to agree to, you know, the serving government in Westminster to use the break worries them in case they wouldn't do that. I think because the situation is so delicate, I would imagine while Rishi Sunak is Prime Minister, you could, you could see the government under a lot of pressure the first time it was activated to agree with the um, what is being said in Stormont. So I think that's the roundabouts of what they're voting on. In terms of what we expect to see from this vote, well, it's been a pretty muted reaction to the Windsor framework in terms of rebellion. As we speak, we only have one Tory rebel, that is Boris Johnson, who has publicly said they're not going to vote for the deal. Now, I would expect that number to grow because the European Research Group have had their star chamber looking over it and um, they're expected to come up with a legal verdict on it before the vote. I think the ERG could be quite split. So if you look at the meetings they had a few weeks ago talking about it, there were some in the group who were saying, well, this agreement is just undeniably better than the one Boris Johnson signed so if you're dealing with uh, what it is compared to what we currently have it's quite hard not to vote for it but then I think you had some who are taking a more purist stance um, such as uh, you know Bernard Jenkin I think is one of the people with this view which is well 
yes, we don't like where we're coming from, but this should be a chance to actually tear up, to reimagine the whole thing and go for more rather than accept something that is still a compromise. So you could see a situation where some ERG vote against it, some abstain, you know, some perhaps even vote for it. And then, of course, the key thing is the DUP. Now, a couple of the DUP MPs, Sammy Wilson in Paisagini, who I mentioned, are likely to vote against it. I think number 10's best case scenario is Jeffrey Donaldson, the leader of the DUP, abstains. That would be seen as, I think, quite a good result from the government perspective, in the sense that clearly one of the aims of the Windsor Framework is to restore power sharing at Stormont. Now, I don't think anyone thought this would happen overnight. If you have the leader abstaining, I think it perhaps sets a, a slow path to the DEP coming back on a different issue to power sharing in the future. Fraser, on that note of Boris Johnson, he also has a, a big week next week and he's just been reselected for his seat in Uxbridge. Why is it significant that the vote has been placed on Wednesday? Well, of course, the votes didn't need to happen at all, let alone on Wednesday. In fact, only a few days ago, Rishi Sunak was saying that he'd take his time to do the vote. He was given no indication. But now, of course, it's being held on a day where Boris Johnson will simply have to be there. He can't say he was washing his hair because he was in there in Parliament. He can't dodge the vote. Now, he has said publicly in this speech in the q Centre recently that he would find that he would struggle to vote for the bill. In other words, that he would be one of the small number of dissenters. Now, I think Rishi Sunak is sort of obliging him here to put his um, money where his mouth is because I haven't seen a great many other Tories say that they're going to rebel on this. On the contrary, you've seen the, um, the, the Eurosceptics say that this was a better deal than Boris Johnson was able to negotiate. So if you were to have a vote then, and Boris Johnson and perhaps two others are voting against it, that would make a very important point for Rishi Sunak, that Boris is isolated, that there is no massive Boris faction ready to destabilise him, and that there also is more unity in the party under the Windsor Agreement, which is now Rishi Sunak's trademark legislative achievement. So if that goes ahead, then this will consolidate uh, Sunak's power over the party. And we should always remember that Sunak has always felt he didn't have that much power, mindful that he lost the leadership election to Liz Truss, mindful that he was the only candidate um, second time around, and mindful that he was governing a coalition with with, um, one part of that coalition, the Borisites, loathed him and wanted to disabilise him. But if they are visibly emasculated and reduced to a rump of one or three, or if Boris Johnson doesn't even vote at all, then that would be helpful party management-wise to Sunak. And Katie, what what do you think is going to happen with this Privileges Committee and will it be a big problem for Boris? So you've had uh, a few developments this week on this. So... The worst case scenario for Boris Johnson is that the Privileges Committee finds that he did knowingly mislead Parliament when it comes to Partygate, those statements he made before more details emerged, and of course he received the fixed penalty notice, at which point the committee could recommend a suspension. If the suspension is over 10 sitting days, that means that he is vulnerable to a recall petition, and if you get enough names of people in the constituency putting their name down on this, that could lead to a by-election. Now, if you end up with a by-election, as we saw with the Owen Patterson debacle, you have the potential for you know this big anti-Tory vote, potentially in this case an anti-Boris vote, to actually mean it so Boris Johnson loses his seat. Now, he has a majority um, where he is. I think it's around 8,000. So it's, it's not 
tiny, but if you think about where the polls are at the moment, and also just in by-elections, they can really encourage some serious tactical voting, it, it would probably be potentially quite uncomfortable. You think Owen Patterson had a huge majority, and he faced this after that uh, lobbying row, which actually was, in a way, kind of really marked the beginning of Boris Johnson's problems um, in terms of that run of events um, and how the parliamentary party felt about his handling over it, and he lost his seat. So I think that... This has been the worst case scenario that supporters of Boris Johnson be very worried about. It's partly why they've been so keen to voice their concerns that this is a kangaroo court. You've had Penny Morden today, our leader of the House, saying actually the, people, the members of the Privileges Committee should be left to do their work and should not be facing political pressure. And then Rishi Sunak this week, because he, if you do end up in this scenario, and there's plenty of ifs, ultimately Rishi Sunak would have to decide how to whip his party. Would he be saying, uh, if you think back to the Owen Patterson debacle, you had a situation whereby initially they told MPs not to vote for the punishment against Owen Patterson and they would tear up the rules and they would start and, you know, have a new uh, procedure on standards. They started to do that. Then it went quite wrong. They changed tack, annoyed lots of MPs in the process. And then in the end, it was the case that it was voted that he had to have the suspension. Now, Rishi Sunak said in his trip, over for the AUKUS event to the travelling pack of journalists that he would ultimately not whip the party either way. Um, you know, people could choose how to vote themselves. Um, it still leaves the question of how Rishi Sunak himself would vote. Maybe he would be on a trip um, around the time of this. So that is what this is all leading up to. Now, of course, it's entirely possible that the committee does not find that Boris Johnson um, you know, intended to mislead. And it's about intention and, and purpose here. But when we get the first evidence on Wednesday, so this is why Boris Johnson is going to be in the House of Commons on the day of this protocol vote, hence why, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So when he gives this evidence, that would be the first, you know, televised in a sense, anyone will be able to watch a, a sense of, you know, how he is defending himself on this issue. It's by the way worth noting that Boris, is, you know, this seat he's standing for yet again, Oxbridge and South Ruslip. According to electoral calculus, which tries to put today's polls into tomorrow's election results, Labour has got an 87% chance of taking the seat from Boris Johnson, who's got a 13% chance of retaining it. Now, I have to say I'm quite sceptical about um, these predictions. They proved very wrong in 2015. But nonetheless, let's say that any Tory standing in any, any sort of london seat is taking a bit of a risk, and I think Boris Johnson is too. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thanks for listening.